Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As you saw from Muffin and Morris Camp in that video, this is the beginning of our stewardship season. And you may have thought that it was on purpose that we mentioned taking up two offerings today for that reason. But I want to thank Scott for, for, uh, for diffusing that potential situation because, because sometimes it can make people a little bit nervous. But we are here to talk about stewardship because the Christian life is a life of stewardship. Now the word stewardship is one of those churchy words that tends to provoke either confusion or anxiety. Confusion because people are not sure what it means. Anxiety because whenever they hear someone say the word stewardship, they fear that the next thing to come out of the preacher's mouth is going to be an ask for money. Well, that's not going to happen today. At least not yet, anyway. Stewardship, however, is a much bigger, deeper, and much more robust and holy word. Stewardship is actually a way of living that shows that we understand that our lives, the lives we have, are a gift from God. It's a distinctive habit that shows that we take God seriously, not only in matters of heaven and hell, but also in the way we live our everyday lives. Stewardship influences the way we do our jobs and the way we vote, and yes, even the way we use our time, our talents, and our money. And this year, following from our study of the book of Acts, we're going to be talking about stewardship as an act of witness. And our theme this year is giving witness. It's a declaration that giving is a living testimony, a living testimony that we trust Jesus Christ and that we are willing to bet our lives on him for the sake of our church family, for the sake of our eternities, and for the sake of our city. So you should be, if you are a covenant partner in this church, you should be getting a brochure like this in the mail. We hope that you will read it. We hope you will study it. We hope you will pray over it. This is what I want you to understand. Fundamentally, stewardship means using God's gifts for God's purposes. Now, those of us who've been around the church for a while have probably heard about what are called the three T's of stewardship. The three T's are time. The most precious gift that we have because we only get a, li a limited amount of it and none of us knows how much we have. The second T is treasure. That is the money and the resources that God gives to us to carry out his purposes. And then the third T is talent. That unique set of skills, that unique set of relationships and gifts that God has given to each of us to share his truth and show his love and to fulfill those works that Paul says he prepared before time for us to do. And so time, treasure, and talents, you may be asking, what do I have to give? What do you have to give? Well, I've always heard about the three T's of stewardship, but I'd never heard until recently about the fourth T of giving. And this morning, we're going to talk about a gift that every follower of Jesus Christ has to give. A fourth T 
That fourth T is testimony. We're going to begin by looking at Acts chapter 22 where we find the Apostle Paul telling his own faith story. Now the Apostle Paul had given most of his adult life as a witness of Jesus Christ, declaring his truth and demonstrating his power and sharing his love. But by the end of the book of Acts, Paul was out of time. His days were numbered. He was out of money. His resources were spent. He was under arrest in the custody of the authorities, so he didn't have the freedom to go where he wanted to go and exercise his gifts as he would have liked to have exercised them. So what does Paul have left to give? Well, he still has his testimony. He still has his story to tell. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 22, we read this. Paul says, Brothers and fathers... Hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way, that is Christianity, to the death binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we know that this is your word and that it is completely true and that it is given in love. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. 
For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. When Paul was called before the council, when Paul was called before his judges, he began his testimony by saying this, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. The word he used, defense, is a lawyer word. In Greek, it was a legal term. And the word is apologia. Apologia. And it means defense. Even though... It is the origin of the word apology, however. It does not mean to apologize, to say, I'm sorry. Rather, what Paul was saying is, I want to make my case for why I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to make my case for why I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. The apostle Peter wrote, have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense that is an apologia to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it in gentleness and respect. And here is Paul making his defense. Even after years of hardship, after years of rejection by family and friends and community, after years of persecution and imprisonment, after physical beatings and danger of death, Paul still wanted to explain why he had hope in Jesus Christ. And so Paul used his predicament as his pulpit, and he used this trial to share his testimony. And he began with his backstory, his past, where he came from. He said, I'm one of you. I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up here in this city as a student of the great Rabbi Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law. And I was zealous toward God, as zealous as any of you are who are here today. But then he talked about his brokenness and how his passion for the law and arrogance of his own knowledge made him cruel. He said, I persecuted the followers of Jesus to their death, binding and delivering them into prisons, both men and women. But then he says something unbelievable happened. He met Jesus while he was on the road to the city of Damascus to hunt down more Christians, orders in hand. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, he says, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And the voice said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. This was his awakening his turning point. He was blinded by the intensity of the light. And there he was, helpless and blind, overwhelmed and bewildered by what had happened to him. And he testified that when he was at his most lost and confused, then God sent one of his people, Ananias, to restore his sight, 
to help him work through what had happened. And Ananias helped him understand the forgiveness he'd received and helped him understand the plan and the purpose that God had for his future. The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to every one of what you have seen and heard. This was Paul's testimony. Now, Paul could have talked theology with them all day. He was a a highly trained theologian. And he had done that with the philosophers in Athens. And he'd done it with the Jews on various occasions in the synagogues. But instead, today, he decided to tell his story, his personal story. He says, this is what happened to me. There are many people who would be moved by that theological presentation, but there are many others who will never be moved by programs or sermons or arguments or explanations of Christianity. But they will respond to a personal testimony of someone's faith. And that's why in the book of Acts, we come to read about the Apostle Paul telling his personal story of how Jesus Christ saved his life. How Jesus Christ changed his life. That's what we need to understand as witnesses today. That one of God's most powerful tools for changing the world is the personal change and faith stories of his changed people. People don't want to know what you believe as much as they want to know how it changed your life. Now I know in my own experience that my testimony represents the intersection of my vulnerability and God's sovereign grace. It's at the point of that intersection, it's that point where we let our guard down, that people know that they can let their guards down. Sharing your testimony provides a way for people to gauge your sincerity by observing your vulnerability. And that way they can examine, without fear, your credibility. By sharing the experience of Christ's influence in your own life, you show yourself to be a satisfied customer rather than just a salesman. It lets people know that if you're willing to put your eggs in this basket, if you're willing to bet your life on Jesus Christ, maybe it's worth the risk for them as well. A testimony tells and shows people God's power to make a difference in a real life. And if God can make a difference in my life, then he can make a difference in your life too. And here's the blessing of a testimony. You don't have to know a lot of theology. You only need to be able to tell your own story. Now, a testimony is autobiographical, but it's not just autobiography. And a testimony is theological, but it's not just theology. 
Your testimony is about who you are and what Jesus has done for you. Now you may think, oh sure, Paul was an apostle. What am I supposed to say? I don't have a story like that. But guess what? Everyone has a backstory. Everyone has a past. Who are you? From what experience do you speak? Everyone has some sort of brokenness. At some point, all of us get off track. How is your life off track? How are you fighting God or how are you trapped in sin? How were you hurt or lost or desperate? How is your life messed up? Everyone has a turning point, an awakening. How did you become aware that something was wrong? How did you become aware that your life was messed up? And how did your Savior get your attention? Everyone has people. Every believer has people. Who were the people who stepped in when you were lost, when you were blind, when you were helpless, when you were alone? Who are the people who helped you understand that you matter to God and that he has a plan and a purpose for your life? For that matter, who's walking with you now? There's a reason why we celebrate All Saints Day and the first Sunday of November. And so we remember all those people who have passed from the church militant to the church triumphant, from here to there, who've walked with us, who've guided us, who've held our hands, who've taught us, who've loved us. But we also know that everyone has a future. What is the mission? for which God has prepared you. What is your position on his team? And what are you doing now with this new life that he's given you? Now I understand that the testimony of Paul is somewhat complex. But consider the testimony of the blind man whom Jesus healed. He simply said, as to who this Jesus is, I cannot say. I don't have any theology. All I know is that I was blind, but now I see. Or maybe one of the lepers could have said, you know what? I was a leper, but now I'm clean. I was a prostitute, but now I'm free. I was grieving, but now I'm at peace. Lazarus could say, you know, I was dead, but but now I'm not. Peter said, could say, I was a fisherman, and now I'm changing the world. Paul could say, I used to have people thrown in prison for following Jesus, but now I'm using my own arrest to tell people about the truth and love of God in Jesus Christ. You know, it doesn't even have to be your whole life story. Your testimony doesn't have to be your whole life story. 
Testimony can be a story about something particular that God has done for you or that you've seen him personally do in someone else's life. A man rescued from homelessness. A girl delivered from human trafficking. A friend healed of cancer. A broken relationship restored through forgiveness. An answered prayer. Strength beyond human strength or peace that passes understanding in the midst of grief. You know what, I've got a confession to make. I used to be ashamed to tell my testimony because I didn't think it was worth telling. I didn't think anybody would think it was interesting or that it would make a difference in anyone's life. You know why? Because I was never in a cult. I was never a persecutor of Christians like Paul. I was never in a motorcycle gang. I was never a prostitute. and I was never a drug addict. I was just a normal, suburban, white kid who grew up in church. I suffered from Presbyterian testimony shame disorder. (laughs) Because I thought I didn't have a dramatic conversion story to tell. But then I heard someone give a testimony that sounded a lot like my story. And I realized that there is no bland testimony because every testimony is a story about a dramatic, sensational act of grace because it's about a father who sent his own son to save his child whom he loves very much. You know, I never think I have a dramatic faith story until I meet someone who tells me I needed to hear that. Was there a time when you were a long way from God and you needed God? Do you think that there are other people like you? you think that they might need to hear about how Jesus Christ helped you? Whatever your story is, your mess is your message. Your ordeal is your opportunity. Your predicament is your pulpit. Because ultimately, your story is about how Jesus Christ made a difference in your life. A good friend of mine, Toby Summers of Mission Road Ministries, always says this. He says, give me the facts and you'll get my mind. Tell me a story And you'll get my heart. There are people who need to hear your story. The story of what Jesus Christ has done for you. You may have heard me say before that you may be God's answer to someone else's prayer. Well, you have a story because there is somewhere out there or in here that needs to hear it. God has a plan and a purpose for you and for your story. Sharing your testimony is a gift, and your testimony is a witness. Witness is not the righteous telling the unrighteous about how they have to straighten up and save themselves. It's about the broken telling other broken people what Jesus did for me. A friend of mine, Dr. David Singh, has said, faith sharing is simply one beggar telling another beggar 
where he found food. It starts with you telling people how Jesus Christ makes a difference in your life. And a difference worth claiming is a difference worth sharing because the difference that Christ makes in your life, he can make in their lives too. Would you pray with me? Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, the enemy has convinced us so often that we don't have a story to tell, that we have nothing to give, that we are simply parasites of your grace, that, that we don't have a purpose. But in truth, oh God, you have given us a powerful story to tell, the story of your son and the story of our own changed lives. And so, Lord, awaken that gift within us. Make us eager to tell how you have made a difference in our lives. Make us witnesses of your truth and of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.